Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Welcome, 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 everyone, to Blog Talk USA. We are so happy to be here with you on this marvelous Monday. First, before we get started, we just want to let you know how you can always find us and listen to our live programs and our archived episodes. The number to call to listen live by phone is 515-605-9375. You can also find us at blogtalkusa.com and blogtalkradio.com forward slash blogtalkusa. And you can also find us in podcast form on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Radio, pretty much any place you can find podcasts. You can find Blog Talk USA podcasts and Marvelous Monday with Dr. Shirley McKellar under that banner. And the last thing I wanted to say is, well, not the last thing, because I'm sure it'll be the first thing we say when we're all on and the last thing we say before we leave. But if you have not yet gotten your vaccine, please do so and do that for everybody else that you love and care about. And if you are eligible for that third, yes, <laughs> if you're eligible for that third shot, that booster, please go get that as well. Okay. So no, no more delay. We'll give you over to Dr. Shirley McKellar. And hello there, Dr. Hagney. Hello. How are you doing? Hello, good. Thank you. Good evening, Ms. Rihanna, and thank you so very much. It's always so much fun to be right back here on Monday evening with Marvelous Monday. And it has been a Marvelous Monday. We've tried to keep up with what is going on around our nation. It's so much to talk about, but we're really excited about this evening. But before we actually get into that, uh, we're excited because uh, Pastor Michael Cooper will be here with his a campaign manager to talk about the campaign. We talk about it, but it's so weird. But we are hyped up and we're ready to go to really uh, interview uh, Pastor Cooper and uh, his team. Uh, they're going to be coming here to Tyler, Texas, with us on next Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, I should say, uh, for the Women's March. And so let me begin by announcing. Uh, for all of those that are out there that's anywhere close to Tyler, Texas, uh, here in East Texas, if you would come and join us on Saturday morning uh, at 09 o'clock in the morning uh, from 9 until 10, you'll hear from the speakers. And then the march will begin at 10, and it will end at about 11.30. This is a national march all over America. People will be marching uh, on behalf of women's equality, and it's time for women to stop being treated uh, as a redheaded stepchild, so to speak, uh, that women can make decisions for themselves just like men make decisions for themselves. Uh, women run households and run corporations and do amazing things. Uh, in this country, so obviously we know that they can make decisions uh, for themselves, health-wise and otherwise. So that we want to say, come and join us 
on Saturday morning uh, right here in Tyler, Texas. If you are in East Texas, uh, come and join us. And we're so happy to announce that Pastor Michael Cooper will be with us here in Tyler, Texas, along with his team. Because one of my favorite slogans is, so goes East Texas, so goes Texas. So when you get those people here in East, yes, Dr. Hagney, you know, when you get the people riled up here in East Texas and get them out to the polls to vote, then we win uh, in, uh, in the great state of Texas. We win in the United States of America when you get people riled up uh, and get them to the polls to vote uh, here in East Texas. There's a lot of people here in East Texas, so therefore we want to make sure that they're registered to vote. And tomorrow, my second announcement is tomorrow is National Voters Day. So here in Tyler, we will be at uh, the New Life uh, Baptist Church there on the North Loop across from uh, Tyler High School, John Tyler High School. And then we'll be at uh, the Glass Center here in my district as well as there's one other location that we're going to be at, and uh, I can't remember which one that is right now, but the Glass Center and New Life, and there should be one other one here. Oh, Texas College, of course. How could I forget? Texas College is the third location. And while we're out there, we will be talking about uh, vaccinations, and because we just in the last couple of days, we had more people that we lost uh, to um, to COVID. And then the third thing is that I want to uh, say that we, our heart was broken on Sunday morning when we lost my beautiful, beautiful uh, godmother. I call her dear. Uh, she was 97 and sharp as a tack. If I wanted to know what was going on all during the course of the day and I could not get uh, in front of the television, I stopped by her house on my way home and she'd give me all the news of the day. She was sharp as a tack. And so she just snuck out of here and left us, like, just, like, quickly. I mean, so uh, her service will be this Saturday at 12 noon, and that's there at the New Life uh, Community Church across from Gentile as well. That's this Mm. Saturday at 12 noon. But we're going to miss her. I'm so sorry. Miss Janie, yes, Miss Janie Williams, and uh, she was was the community person. She was the first uh, person here in Tyler, Texas, to work at Levi Strauss. She was actually their, um, she was their uh, union person. She was the first person I ever knew about that worked in union here in Tyler. So she was the union mm-hmm. boss at Levi Strauss, where they made your wow. jeans. And uh, so mm-hmm. she was a powerful, powerful, brilliant uh, female. She read every day. She read the newspaper from the front cover to the back read everything in sight, uh, knew everything was going on in Washington, D.C. She could quote the names of the people, watched everything in Congress. She was an amazing woman. And so uh, she's my shero, and I'm going to miss her. Mm. But that's it. So, Dr. Hagney, we're going to go ahead. I don't what? know if Pastor Cooper is already on yet, Miss Rihanna, of any, her, any of the eight. 713 or the 832 numbers to come in, and I don't know if Mr. Arthur Not is yet. on yet. Okay, so then we'll uh, we'll turn everything over to Dr. Hagney and let him uh, start out with the uh, medical side of the house, our medical presentation, and then uh, and then I'll be texting them to see where they are, and we'll go from there. Right. Dr. Hagney. First of all, first of all, my historical head just go out to the young lady, the 90-year-old. Is a, again, that's a historical event, and we need to 
think about the role she played in that history. We will talk about that as we go later on. Uh, again, uh, COVID-19. Uh, I appreciate Ms. Rihanna and mentioned the vaccinations and also Dr. McKellar mentioned the vaccination because that is the answer. <clears throat> this uh, this Delta virus is uh, staying true to its ability to uh, mutate uh, when, he, when it finds unvaccinated individuals, which is another confirmation about the effectiveness of the vaccine. Uh, but this Delta virus is a very deadly virus, and, and we uh, think we probably still have over someone in the neighborhood of maybe 70,000 people who have not been vaccinated. So we are, we'll still work on that group. But good news to a certain extent is that the booster has been approved uh, by FDA and CDC, and the indications there are both 60s and 18 preconditions and immune compromised groups. Uh, so uh, that is that. That's good news. Uh, everybody understand why the need for the, uh, the booster. But I need to mention some points under the booster. It is uh, it's Pfizer. It's a Pfizer booster, and that means there's no crossover at this point until Moderna and Johnson Johnson receive their uh, approval for a booster, which they are applying. So the boosters right now are for individuals who have received the Pfizer uh, first two shots. Um, and also there's a little confusion about the boosters at time. Wayne, I hope that will be cleared out uh, as we uh, get near uh, the total implementation of that. Uh, but also, sadly, the, uh, the virus, uh, the children, the numbers are up drastically in our children. And, and right here I want to put this is one of the other reasons why those of us who are vaccinated, we need to get vaccinated. We need to get vaccinated, if not for ourselves, for our children on the 12. We must protect them. The reason why I say that because right now we do not have a vaccine that's approved for that, that for the under 12 age group. But I know her today Pfizer is applying for that. But right now, please get vaccinated for for the young children to help protect them. Because you notice what's going on here. I think another uh, point we need to mention also more about the uh, potential long-term complication of this virus. Uh, that is going to be a factor in the future, but that's another reason why we need to get individuals vaccinated to prevent this, the, this, the uh, infection. So that is going to be a complication look for We'll be, have to be aware of the future. And then uh, uh, we have to uh, continue stress. Uh, now, we have, you know, we have these clinics we, we post up. We have some like 12 clinics that are planned. I just want to say two very exciting events I witnessed in two of our clients this past weekend. There were grandparents. There were grandparents, young, grandmothers, who brought their uh, their grandchildren to be vaccinated. One picture I would love to show, I wish I could show a grandmother. She bought her three, I mean, I'm sorry, four grandsons. I, it was just amazing. I took that picture just to, just to see that picture. She bought those grandkids. And there's another site where our grandparents have stepped up and bringing I, I, I so my hat goes out to the, the grandmothers and grandparents who are doing this, and also to some of the parents that are doing this. So I think that's all I have to say other than please get vaccinated. We have our sites that are going on. It's very impressive to see people come in. As a statement made in one of our sites on Sunday, which was really interesting, he said, Dr. Hagen, we appreciate you all coming out of these sites because <clears throat> there are individuals here that will not would not have gone and gotten a vaccination if you hadn't had the events in the community. And that's another, just a heartwarming 
hard. When we hear people say that, because yeah. we recognize and we see individuals who will not go to the Hour Tower uh, hospitals, and they he was they were he was very serious about that to see some of the guys that were there that would never go to a major hospital or other site to get the vaccination. So I just want to close with that. Okay. That's great. That's really fantastic. The arms of the octopus are stretching. <laughs> That's and it's, right. It's working. Oh, another point I want to make: the the National Guard is being is helping out in some of these cities throughout the area. I know they were in uh, Jacksonville, Texas. I think this past Saturday on the 27th. So I had to go out to uh, our veterans, our military group again, who are stepping up to help. Uh, the shortage that are carrying in some of our in some of our sites and some of our hospitals. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So I'm jumping back in. So Miss Brianna, uh, there should be a two eight one number if you would open that line up, please, ma'am. Uh, and I don't then, see them yet. Don't see them yet. They're saying that they're oh, on. Yes. So I'm not sure that they have the correct information. So Miss mm-hmm. Brianna, if you take over for me for a few seconds, I'm going to send that information yes, out there. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay. While we're doing that, may may I ask again a special prayer for our healthcare workers? When I say healthcare workers, I'm talking about everybody associated with a hospital, a clinic, drivers, house, everybody in there, and in particular the nurses and doctors who are really, uh, I'm not going to use the word stress, but they just pray for them, uh, the situation they're dealing with, and so it's so. Pardoning on them, they're 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 having to treat individuals who could have or should have gotten uh, vaccinated. So continue praying. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and including the custodial staff, the people who come and remove the biohazard from the rooms and yes. clean up the yes. the room. I mean, really, all these people. It's easy to forget just how many people are on the front lines and how many jobs. You know, it's not just doctors. Yes. And, yes. you know, it's just so, yes, I, I share in your sentiment. We need to be thinking about these people and praying for these people. And, you know, uh, in Florida, I know that, that Dr. McKellar said, I forget how many nurses she said had died in in. I don't know if it was East Texas or Texas. I thought she said seven or nine. Um, mm. And, you know, it, in Florida, huge numbers. So these people are really putting putting their lives on the line for us. Okay, I'm back with you, Ms. Brianna and Dr. Hagney. I'm back with you. And, yes, Ms. Brianna, it was, it, it's actually nine nurses within the last two weeks here in Tyler, Texas, and uh, oh one uh, respiratory therapist. As a matter of fact, we should have uh, to come online uh, with us tonight. Uh, she is uh, tied up right now, but she should be coming in just a little while. She actually did uh, an interview. They, I couldn't get it all together because of her time, uh, because I had Dr. Hadney and I scheduled to actually be a part of that interview. What I wanted was uh, to have all three of us uh, in the parking lot of the uh, of the uh, TV station to actually come on and uh, come on and actually do a, a dual uh, interview together so that we could just cover from one thing to the other. She was going to focus on those nurses who were walking who worked actually for her uh, that, oh, wow. uh, that 
saw their lives being taken away. And then we want I wanted to focus for Dr. Hattie to focus on uh, to focus on uh, what the uh, task force is doing and how we're trying to get uh, the information in regards to COVID and the vaccines out to our community. And then, of course, along with uh, what we're doing here at uh, the city and community level uh, with Net Health, uh, and we thank mm-hmm. Net Health in with us okay. and helping us to disseminate that information. That's and I'm right. going to ask that it is in fact because I can hear you moving around so if we can kind of be stable or, or go on mute if you're not talking we don't I'm sorry that was me back. you all is that <laughs> me this time I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm unusual pardon <laughs> <laughs> <Are> me <you? laughs> That is very unusual, Miss Rihanna. She's always on top of her head. But, but anyway, uh, Miss Rihanna, and one other thing, Dr. Hagney, I wanted you to, um, before we move over, our guest is on the line right now. So before oh, we okay. move over to uh, Dr. Uh, to Pastor Cooper's campaign, uh, we want you to just kind of also mention that September is sickle cell anemia month, oh, and then okay. mention the pro- the prostate area, and then we're going to bring in oh. our special guest. So I'll I'll, I'll oh, mute oh. out. Dr. Hagney talks about that. Oh, just very good. Sickle cell, sickle cell anemia. Uh, the month is uh, as we talked about. It, you know, when we look at healthcare, there is a need for uh, uh, information, particularly sickle cell for the healthcare workers, healthcare providers, but also those individuals that are suffering from the uh, crisis. What uh, there is a special request I like to have. We talked about it before. Is there, uh, as you understand, in sickle crisis, there is a need for uh, blood transfusion in their in their treatment, uh, hospitalization. There is. I'm asking for a request for the increase the amount of African American uh donors who your partner uh, blood banks that you can indicate it for the sickle cell patient, but it is very critical uh, biologically and everything to have African-American blood in the, in the blood bank system. So let's look at either from the community, church organizations, let's look at that. But before that, let's pay very close attention and get more understanding about sickle cell anemia, and particularly let's go out for the uh, per- individual in, in the educational system. The athletic departments, those who are dealing with athletes and everything, they need to understand they might be dealing with athletes that has sickle cell anemia. They need to be aware that these symptoms and, and, and the whole school system need to be aware of the symptoms of sickle cell anemia so they can be aware and see the seriousness of it and also be aware of it uh, when someone is experiencing that. But let's go out, understand sickle cell anemia, get the information, download all the information. If you know someone that's uh, suffering, let us uh, get together and actually increase our donation to the blood banks. Now, I think you go even. I think you can donate it. Uh, you can indicate it that it could be for a sickle cell patient. I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I think you can. That's right. You can. That's right. You you okay. can you can say that I want this blood to go to the sickle cell bank. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. And then prostate. So, <laughs> move to the prostate. I'm going to just wrap it up because, as you well know, prostate, uh, this is prostate, men and prostate cancer month, and there are some stats. What, what, we had a call out from a national group that want to partner with us in, in prostate uh, cancer, and they, they know about our uh, church hubs uh, to get the word out uh I'm just going to go through some quick stats about prostate. Uh, there are more. There are 1.3 million men living in, in uh, prostate cancer in America. 
They're estimated uh, about 248,000 uh, prostate cancers that are diagnosed in 2021. But I want this is the point I want African American men are 1.8 times more likely to develop the disease and 2, 2.2 times more likely as white men to die from prostate cancer. So, and also, uh, prostate cancer is the most common cancer diagnosed among our U.S. veterans. So this program that we just going to, have to get the, we're going to get the word out is actually just sending a link out to this organization. We're going to do that through our link. And when individuals go to that link, all this information I talked about, all the other information about prostate cancer will be downloaded. So we'll talk about that later on. But uh, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Hagen. You're very, very good. Very good. Okay. Well, we're ready to open up our evening uh, and get started. We're so excited to have uh, on our show tonight, uh, even though Pastor Cooper is actually one of our team members uh, for this network. However, tonight he is going to be the candidate, and so we're going to hear from his campaign manager. We're going to invite her to come in, introduce herself, tell us exactly who she is, and uh, I'm not sure if Pastor Cooper is on just yet, but uh, Ms. Tracy, if you're there, would you open up yes, your you line? Are. I think your line, should be, your line should be already open up and come in and, and introduce yourself and talk to us, and I think Pastor Cooper is on uh, as well. Good afternoon. Good evening, I should say. Good evening, good evening. Thank you guys for having us. We are excited about coming to Tyler, Texas on Saturday morning for the Women's March. Um, it's going to be all over the state of Texas. They're expecting about fifteen to 20,000 in Austin. But when we did hear about Tyler, considering that East Texas is one of our primary babies, um, we're looking forward to coming into the city and um, that area of Texas and take it by storm. We've decided to do something really special, and we're looking for women, men, kids to come out and put on their <laughs> Pete Cooper shirts, um, acknowledging the Breast, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, yes. Lady Cooper will be in the building, so we'll get an opportunity to meet the first lady of this campaign. Uh, the candidate is on the phone, um, our soon-to-be governor of the state of Texas. Uh, we'll be there to answer questions, shake hands and find out the concerns and things that are needed in the state of Texas as we continue on this campaign trail. If you if you all have anyone that would be interested, um, you can email me at Tracy, that's T-R-A-C-E-Y-B-P-R, at gmail.com. I will then send over a sign-up sheet if you would like to um, walk with us at the Women's March, of course, there will be several other organizations, um, but we are looking for people to come out and join us and have on that bright pink so that they can remember who we are when they see our vendor table to come over and speak, shake hands, and ask the questions that they need with our next picture governor of the state of Texas. Governor <laughs> Cooper, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. Wonderful job. Thank you, ladies, so much. I'll tell you what. Men, I don't know if you're listening or paying attention. We we do better when we have ladies uh, uh, surrounding us, in front of us, on side of us, and, and behind us. So, again, my hat's off to you ladies for all the work you're doing. That's outstanding. So, Pastor Cooper, welcome to your home uh, on Mom's yes. Monday. Uh, Blog Talk USA Radio is just exciting to have you and to have the have you guys to be in Tyler, Texas with us. We're so looking forward to that. We have right now about 400 
uh, persons, uh, women in particular, that have signed up to be out there with us. The city of Tyler has opened its doors. I will open up at 9, 09 o'clock to welcome uh, you and all of the people that will be in our city. We're so excited. We're looking forward to that. Before we move over, and we're going to start asking you a few questions, uh, Pastor Cooper, but before we move over, if uh, Ms. Tracy would just kind of tell us a little bit about herself and what her position yes. is within the campaign, and then we'll move over and talk to our candidate and our future uh, governor for the great state of Texas. Ms. Tracy? Sure thing. Um, basically, I am a corporate branding and PR strategist, small firm boutique. Um, I just was acquired to um, walk on the campaign trail with this great candidate who is running for the governor of the state of Texas. And um, my background is kind of fluid when it comes time to political background, corporate events, marketing management, and public relations. Um, we're excited to just add some steam to the state of Texas at this point. Um, so I am serving as the campaign manager, and we just need to get him in office. Uh, that's my title of getting him into office. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for that. So now we know who's at the helm of the campaign, and so let's jump over to uh, Pastor Cooper. Pastor Cooper, you know everybody on this network is excited about you running for that office. So uh, th these are just generic questions. You already know the answer, but we want to we want everybody that's listening out there to know exactly what your plans are uh, for us once you get into that governorship. There's so many things that are going on right now uh, in our nation, in our state. Uh, so let's begin by finding out uh, exactly what your primary uh, issue is. But before I get going, let's just announce and, and make note that uh, Mr. Arthur is on. And, and good evening, Mr. Arthur. I don't know if you have a I comment that you'd like to make before. Great. Great, great. It's always a pleasure. Mr. Arthur, as everybody knows, is one of the uh, co-hosts for uh, this show as well. And uh, But we're going to get right down to Pastor Cooper. And so, Pastor Cooper, what I was about to say, there are so many things that are going on in Texas uh, right now. We know what exactly is happening or has happened at our border with Haiti. But, but let me just ask, what is the very first issue and things that you would like to achieve once you get into that big seat down there uh, at the governor's uh, mansion? Well, you know, there's so much, and thank you for that question. There, there's so much that's going on and so many things we have to fight on the battlefront. Uh, but, you know, here lately we, we've had friends that's been with the campaign for a while, including my brother Arthur there that, that helps us out with, uh, with strategies. Uh, I have other friends uh, on the campaign. And we always uh, have a meet and greet, and we're listening to the people. And the, the main platform for me is always education. That's going to always be my platform when it comes to educating our youth and vocations and things like that. But what we're hearing from the people is that health care, jobs, and climate change, these are the top three things that's on their minds when you're talking about going to the table. Uh, we're no longer asking for the invite to the table. Uh, we, we notice this when we're going across uh, uh, Austin and uh, Texas and places in El Paso and Dallas and Fort Bend, that uh, a lot of people had the same issues, and that is that they've never been invited to the table. And so we have people that have run for Congress, uh, like Brother Eric Weeds. We have people that's knowledgeable that are actually out there, and they've been having boots on the ground for a long time. 
And so we're excited to not ask for that invite anymore. We're we're coming to Austin, Texas, with our own table and our own menu. So we're we're, we're going to change things up just a little bit. Okay, very good. So, um, and I understand when you say education, uh, because I've always said when I ran for Congress that education is the key, but underneath that education is the key. Uh, it was always important because I'm a healthcare professional. It was always important uh, for people to know and understand the importance of good health and the lack thereof. And so we know that there are so many disparities uh, in specific uh, communities uh, in this country, and in particular in Texas. And we, I remember uh, when the present person who sits in that seat right now decided that he was not going to bring uh, Medicaid expansion uh, to uh, Texas. And with that being said, we, I live in rural uh, America, rural East Texas, and I see people every single day uh, without good health care. So what are your plans as far as uh, uh, helping to make sure that, that people get good health care? Because if they got great health care, then they can educate themselves. They can get out there and find a job, and then they can know exactly how to, uh, how to get rid of the issues that we're having as far as our climate and climate change is concerned and how to keep our community uh, better and make sure that we don't have a problem with all of the changes that we see in our climate and in our landfills and how we're dumping all kinds of trash in there. So Medicaid expansion, what would you do about that once you got into office, Pastor Cooper? That's a very easy one. That We need to expand Medicaid, especially like college students. We now have professional, because I have them, I have three professional college students. And at the age of 25, they're no longer on your insurance. But yet these, these young folks at 27, 28, and 30 years of age, they're still working on the master's, the doctorate. I decided after a career was over to go get a master's, working on a Ph.D. So we need to make sure we, we have a system there. The other thing that I learned on the campaign trail when I ran for lieutenant governor, now governor, uh, is that African-American women are number, the first ones to die after childbirth. So something's wrong with this picture. Uh, healthcare. That we, we, we got the women's march that's coming up. Uh, I saw this this morning that I think it's the 30th anniversary of Anita Hill uh, fiasco that uh, our uh, lawmakers did, didn't do the right thing. And then I think uh, President Biden came along and basically and sort of gave her an apology. You know, so we need to make sure, and, and, and it's not just our African American women; but it's poor people. That's the reason why I've been working with Dr. William Barber because. This is a poor people's type of situation when it comes to health care. Uh, that's why I, I love working with Dr. Hagney. He's always pushing uh, vaccinations and vaccines because we were always uh, missing out. We were last to, to, to be at the table for this type of health care. So we fight for that. So now we need to uh, participate in it. So we need to bring the awareness. So that goes right back to education. So we have to go right back to the schools in sixth, seventh, eighth grade and, and, and teach about, uh, you're talking about a, a woman's right to choose but that goes right into the healthcare field. Uh, we need to make sure that not only that they, they, they choose, but we have to look at these, these horrible laws, 666 uh, laws that were passed. Uh, that's the mark of the beast, first of all. But when you're talking about this heartbeat bill where if someone had rape or incest, they can no longer, uh, after six weeks, uh, terminate the pregnancy that was a brutal offense. 
So these these are rights and women's rights, and, and this is the perfect time of the year to talk about these issues uh, w- when you have October month coming. I mean, I, I was my mother's favorite child. Uh, there were seven of us, but I'm, I'm going to take it. I was my mother's favorite child. So I had a chance to listen to those needs and those wants and those concerns. I have three daughters. Uh, I've been married for 34 years. I have friends like yourself all the time. So I'm listening and I'm learning along the way. And that's what we have to do. We have to challenge lawmakers to also listen. People see me out there protesting in the streets. You see me getting arrested. I'm getting arrested for your rights. I'm getting arrested for voter suppression. And East Texas is the most suppressed area because they know that if East Texas rises up, that we control the state of Texas. Beautiful. So, Pastor Cooper, you said something that's very near and dear uh, to my heart. And you talked about uh, domestic violence, which uh, actually, yeah. uh, as Ms. Tracy mentioned, uh, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It is also Domestic Violence Month uh, during the month of October. Uh, so I appreciate the fact that you talked about uh, the fact that women should be able to uh, make their own decisions about what they want to do uh, with their body. Uh, and uh, I think that we spend a whole lot of time uh, uh, trying to legislate morality, which has already been legislated by the men uh, upstairs, as, as our uh, right. ancestors say. So, uh, so we need to spend time on things that we can control and we can change, and that is that health care. And then, which takes me back to, to uh, your second point, which was jobs. And, uh, and so I, I'm concerned about, obviously, the Lily Let Better Act and the fact that women uh, should be able to, to make the same amount of money uh, for the per- counterpart that's sitting next to her uh, that has the same education, the same background, because education is the key, same background, same uh, experience, and so forth. But we find that women make so much less than what men make, uh, and uh, and, and we have the same skills. So what, what are your thoughts as far as how much money? And, and I know that we hear uh, on, the, on the federal level of $15 per hour. And for some reason, that I, I, I just don't want to put an amount that I want to hear what you have to feel about that because I may deem a little bit more than uh, $15 an hour. I always paid more paid more than minimum wage when I hired and employed people uh, during my career as, a, as an entrepreneur. But just talk to us a little bit about, um, about wages and how we can expand uh, and, and strengthen our union rights uh, in Texas, please. Absolutely. That's a wonderful question. I, I, first of all, I've been an entrepreneur, been in, uh, in business since I was, first of all, seven years of age because I worked for my parents. And, it wasn't slave labor, but you had to go out and you had to work. Uh, but anyway, at the age of 16 years of age, I decided to fire my father, the guy that's from East Texas, Magnolia Springs, uh, because he decided not to pay me. And I said, well, if you no longer pay me, I'll pay rent. And I started paying my mother and father rent at the age of 16 years of age. Uh, and by the time, I think it was in 1982, by the time, end of 1982, I, I was uh, grossing over six figures uh, a year. And I employed employees, and I had eight regular employees. And back then, uh, minimum wage, I think, was $3.35 an hour. And at $3.35 an hour, I said, how in the world can anyone feed their family, take care of the, the, the loved ones at, at, with that minimum wage? So I paid my employees then $8 an hour in 1982. 
That's amazing. I had supervised. Yeah, I had supervised, right. and I paid twelve dollars now. Yeah, no, no, go ahead, please. This conversation jump in and out. Uh, and, and so what I'm saying is that this is in 1982. I chose my choice, and I have the books to back it. My wife, she, she laughs at me. I still have my original briefcase from 1982. I still have that briefcase that I walk around with tens of thousands of dollars because I was trained by a man that didn't trust the government. So I understand that. I understand how certain people feel about the government and things like that. Uh, we, we knew how to do uh, uh, credits and debits and I learned more from my parents than I learned in school. And so I was ready for the corporate world at the age of 16 years of age uh, with a little black notebook. And I learned the value of a dollar. I also learned how to take care of a family. And when I saw that the young man needed extra, guess what? We paid him more. So here we are right now. We want to make sure we have a qualified wage and an equitable wage because women deserve their, their, their salt if you would. I, I feel like preaching right there. Uh, they, they deserve it. And then when I became an automotive executive, uh, I then had another chance to hire uh, and make a difference. Uh, I, was, I, I started off in a field where there was mo- mostly Anglo men that ran that field in 1987, I think is when I got started, and got managed in 1989. And I would hire women at the same wage as a man, and that was a lot of money. Again, I don't like putting, just like yourself, Dr. McKellar, I don't like putting a, a dollar on, on a wage. You are worth your salt, and that wage could be $25, 30 $40, $50 an hour because in southeast Texas we've got this little thing called chemical plant. We're in the chemical industry, and you can, with, with a six-month degree or two-year uh, operator's degree, you end up making $125,000 a year, and well, it's more than $12 and $15 an hour. So we need to make sure it's equitable. Equitable is not always equal. Because let me give you some numbers that, that, that have been with me for five years. Uh, when you put the Anglo woman in there, when you're talking about the man dollar to the woman's dollar, it's slightly off, a dollar to 85 cents per uh, uh, female. But when you take out the African-American and Hispanic, it dollar to 85 cents drops to 69 cents. So equal is not equitable. So we need to make sure that in all areas, and when our weakest link do better and get stronger, uh, then the entire group rises. So Texas can do better. And a lot of people say we've done great, but the problem is uh, we've done great for the 2%. Uh, 2% continue to get richer, and we continue to fall behind. So in these areas of health care and jobs, and then later on we're talking about climate control, but we have to make sure it's equitable, and then it starts in school. So that's why I say the foundation of education, because we want to make sure we have vocations, uh, fields like robotics and uh, mechanics and things like that. Why is it a young girl can graduate or a young boy can graduate with a college, college degree, but we don't have a degree in, in, in barbershop? We need to have barbers that's graduating at 18 years of age and ready to go into that $40 billion a year industry and start earning a living and then paying taxes. So then we have the money there for retirement, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, all of these things that's necessary. It goes back to that foundation. Very good. So, Pastor Cooper, what I hear you saying in that presentation is that uh, in order for our economy uh, to improve, we have to increase uh, the wages. Uh, If we're going to have a minimum wage, we're going to have to increase uh, that amount as well here in the great state of Texas or in this nation 
period. And then uh, we always, I always reflect back to education is the key. Uh, but I also Absolutely. take a look at, at the fact that, and I say this to everybody, that we have a great health care system. People may not uh, embrace yes. that. But I've worked in you're you're in the healthcare profession. I worked yeah. in the healthcare profession all of my life, uh, really. Even even when I worked in the corporate world, healthcare was always a part. In the military, uh, in the civilian world, it was always a part. So, what on earth do you see that we can do uh, as far as uh, and taking it back to education, as far as making sure that? Yeah. Everybody has that great health care and that if they're healthy, they can get that education that you're talking about, in particular our students, because you mentioned the fact that students can stay on their uh, parents' health care until age 26. Uh, but what if they don't have parents that they can get on uh, that, uh, that policy? And so with the cost of uh, the private insurance industry, that is, where I see the problem. How do you see that you could make some changes uh, in that uh, in that insurance industry when there's a lot of greed uh, that's taking place? And what I said about that we have the greatest health care system in the world, it's just too pricey. How can we drive down uh, that cost of health care in, in Texas and in this country? That's well, first of all, uh, my wife is an educator, retired educator, and uh, a shout-out to all the educators. We need them. And we're not talking about education. I'm talking about pay raises for the, for the teachers. But the other thing, the main thing, the focus that I'm talking about right now is the health care, and that is this, is that when we have more people involved, we have uh, uh, cheaper costs and mm-hmm. a broader uh, base and a brush. And so uh, teachers, they had reasonable health care compared to the job I'm on. Uh, it's, it's a handful com, uh, compared to thousands. So what happens is that uh, you drive down the cost when you have more people participating. In Harris sure. County, there's a little-known secret. No one knows about it. I know about it because I looked into it. They used to have a healthcare system called a gold card, but they've since changed it, the name, and I forget the name, of Harris County Insurance, something like that. But uh, my sister moved to uh, Houston, Texas, and refused to move back. I, I offered her to moving to my, my house rent-free, all my kids were leaving, the empty nest syndrome, and all these other things happening. And, and she's my older sister, and she cooked for us very well, and, and she's single. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, I'm not going to charge you anything. Just come on in here, because I was hoping, Dr. McKellar, that she would cook at least twice a week. <laughs> I love her <laughs> cooking. It's amazing. But she refused all of that, and I offered to buy a new car, all kind of stuff. And she said, I have to remain in Houston. I said, why is that? And I didn't know. She said, because my insurance is just like yours. Wow. I said, you're kidding. Uh-huh. Yeah. She said, I have the same type. And back, back then, it was a different type of insurance than I have now. And uh, <laughs> low deductibles, uh, she, uh, they treated her the same way when she went into uh, Baylor Medical, uh, St. Luke's, uh, Methodist, those expensive hospitals that – would look at you a certain kind of way if you walked in, if you didn't have health care, treat you a certain kind of way. But when she walked in, she walked in with her chest out, shoulders back, felt good about herself for the first time in a long time because she knew she had quality health care. And this is a woman that this weekend alone just survived the TIA, just went home five minutes ago. That's the reason why I was uh, late getting on a call, looking at video. They were high-fiving the great-grandbabies that were there because she now has access to life. Now, 
I'm going to call healthcare life. It's not just healthcare. Yes. She has access yes. to life. It's a difference between life and death. She's 66 years of age, and she is a survivor of cancer. She's a survivor of strokes, and she's a survivor of heart attacks, and all because of the fact that she has access to this incredible thing we call healthcare. And you are absolutely correct, Dr. McKellar, that we do have a great program of healthcare, but it's so pricey. But what I'm learning from Harris County, and it was there even before Mayor Sylvester Turner was there, it was there back in the uh, 90s, I saw that. And they decided that everyone would have health care and would make it available in Harris County if you had an address there. We can take the same example and do it in the state of Texas. Outstanding. Wow. Okay. So then let's take a look at our young folk, our, our college students. And, and we know that they need that great health care and they need that education that they're fighting to get. But we also know that, that in some of our universities uh, that, uh, and well, all of them really, uh, that uh, many of our students uh, graduate uh, owing a, an amazing debt. Uh, they have invested so much money into their education uh, and their schooling. And so, once again, the great state of Texas, a very wealthy state uh, in, in this country, America, very wealthy. So let's talk a little bit, since you're really, really interested in education, uh, because, once again, education is the key. If we're educated and, and, and we know what's going on in our country, even if we know uh, if we don't have a structured education where you, when I, what I mean by that is you didn't go and sit down in the classroom uh, and learn and come out with a piece of paper, but, but you became knowledgeable, uh, you're a self-taught uh, person, even though I'm a proponent of education, going and sitting in the classroom and coming away with that piece of paper. I'm just a proponent of that because that's my upbringing, that's my teaching. Uh, everybody I know is not going to get that, but I still think that you can educate yourself uh, by keeping up with what's going on uh, in your community, in your state, in your nation. So how can we help uh, our young folk uh, to not come away uh, and starting their life uh, with a massive debt uh, that they have spent uh, uh, paying for uh, education? I know that a lot of us are pushing uh, at least the uh, first two years of community uh, college where they can go to school for free and whatever. But we know there's other countries uh, in, the, in the world that uh, students can go to, go to school and get a complete uh, education. They don't have to pay for that. They don't have to pay for their health care. But that's a whole entirely new different system from what we have here in America. So let's talk about America. How in Texas can we help to make sure that once our students graduate, that they don't have an amazing debt to begin their lives at Pasadena. Well, first of all, the first thing we do is just have common sense governing. Our current governor uh, gave back $2 billion to the federal government because he was at odds with them. Uh, he, he no longer wanted to participate with what was going on. So here it is. We had people that were being evicted. We had people that had issues, and we're talking about climate change, and we had issues with, with ERCOT and, and, and the, the freeze and all these other things, and they didn't receive the assistance that they needed. Well, let's say that he chose not to do that. Well, that's $2 billion we can use to pay off debt and loans from, from uh, education, these, these folks. 
And the first area that I would use money like that in if someone gave me ex, ex, extra income in the state of Texas is for our educators, our teachers that's graduating, because they're the underpaid and most in debt. Because I, I paid for my wife's college. Thank God for that. Because everybody's not, my, dad, my, my son used to say, Daddy, everybody's not fortunate as you. I said, well, I work hard for, for my money, and I don't like interest, and I don't like debt. So I pay cash for that. But everybody can't afford that. So we need to assist them. The other thing is, Mary, I have a minor in social studies. But one reason why I didn't go into that field, because I couldn't afford to. Uh, most people that have a degree, and it used to be called social work, uh, uh, yeah, social studies, but they, I think call it social work now. Those folks mm-hmm. are coming out of there, and they have debt as high as seventy and $80,000 with a four-year degree. And if they don't come in with a master's or anything, and this is a minimal college, this is a state college, you're talking about only earning $36,000, $40,000 a year max. You can't afford to, uh, a car, rent, and, and finances. So we need to look at these things. And then when you're looking at education again, I want to look at HBCU schools. I'll never forget when I was on the stage running for the United States Senate and the president of, I think it was uh, Wally College. I think it was Wally College. And uh, he challenged us, those of us who would remain into in the, the uh, political arena, that we would come back and we assist them. We need to have more online schools for HBCUs and those folks, again, that are going into teaching, uh, going into social work. We need to come back and give them loan forgiveness. I believe in, uh, in, in high school that you can graduate with a two-year degree in, in education, and then if you sign a four-year contract, that we should give you loan forgiveness. I don't want to just give away for free because my dad used to say if you give something away for free, people will not uh, respect it and they won't handle it right. So what I want them to do is to earn it. And so after four years of working for the state of Texas, we want to have a loan forgiveness. We want to have a program set up. So we don't want to just go up there and just write off all the debt. That's going to be pretty expensive. But what we want to do is start taking a look at it, and we want to start taking baby steps in the right direction. Very good. So, Pastor Cooper, let me just tell you that I'm happy that you're the type of leader uh, that uh, that's going to be working in our state government here in Austin, Texas, that's going to fight on behalf of the people in, in East Texas and North Texas and West and South Texas, not just for some, but for every single citizen, whether they voted for you or not, you're going to fight Absolutely. and work on their behalf. And I so appreciate uh, that. I'm going to actually relinquish over to uh, Ms. Rihanna and Mr. Arthur and, and of course, uh, uh, Dr. Hadney, because they may have some questions for you. Uh, I love how you speak, so keep fighting <laughs> on behalf of the great Thank people you. in the great state of Texas. Ms. Rihanna, I'll turn it over to you if you have some questions. I'll mute out uh, if you have some questions for uh, Pastor Cooper. Ms. Rihanna, as you know, Pastor Cooper hails from Texas, even though she lives in Kentucky, but she's a Texan. <laughs> Ms. Rihanna. Wow. Well. My uh, my young child who was asleep has uh, awoken and he's ready to play. So I'm going to ask a quick question. Uh, All right. <laughs> Mr. Arthur. Um, well, actually, I, I want to point out to everybody that $8 an hour in 1982, correct me if I'm wrong, but that would be about 20, 2217 today, an hour. So Pastor Cooper that, here was paying... A living wage when paying a living wage wasn't cool. 
<laughs> so I want to thank you for that. <laughs> that's amazing, honestly. And I hope people understand that's just one little example that, that should give people a slice of um, what you're getting <laughs> with Pastor Cooper, where your priorities are. I appreciate that so very much. Um, and I do have a question. Um, sure. Is expanding uh, Medic- Medicaid, I always get it wrong, Medicaid, uh, is that expansion going to be the first, second, or third thing you do <laughs> when you take office? Well, we're, we're going to have to do it simultaneously. We're going to have to do it all at the same time. It's like Dr. Haggins says about the octopus, the arms of the octopus. We're going to have to move very quickly because there's so many things that have not been addressed in over 30 years. That's the reason why when I go around and say what I'm saying is that I have to apologize because God has blessed me with so many different gifts and talents that I was selfish with them for the first 30 years of my life, in my adult life, and in my profession because I was trying to raise four babies all in the same roof and be a husband to one wife. And I thought the world had it. I thought the lawmakers had it. But when I raised up and looked up after 30 years and accepted a semi-retirement, I said, I need to go to work. We need to go to work. We have been missing it, and uh, I have a voice, uh, and I'm going to uh, use my voice. My wife, matter of fact, we, we were together this weekend fighting for a young man here in Beaumont, Texas, that was uh, paralyzed by police brutality locally here, and we're fighting it abroad. How can I fight it in D.C., and I'm not fighting it in my own backyard? And uh, he's in handcuffs, and they flipped him over. And so we have to make sure that we do the right things now. And, and now means that's 10 things at one time. So while we're dealing with health care, jobs, climate change, we're going to be dealing with education all in the first 100 days. You will see me uh, in, in the past 100 days. Now, if you go back and look at a calendar, you can just look on my Facebook page, all four of them, and you'll see somewhere where I was arrested. you see somewhere where I was protesting. Some people think in the same day I was at three different locations. I said, no, that was on the East Coast. This is West Coast. Now I'm back in the Gulf Coast. So uh, you have to keep up, and it's hard for them to keep up because I'm fighting on all fronts at the same time. Good point. Great. Well, we'll go to Mr. Arthur then, and then after that we'll go to uh, Dr. Hackney, and then we'll bring it back around because I have some more things I wanted to point out. <laughs> to, uh, this is great, guys. And I'm this, glad. Yes, this. you're doing amazing. I, I, I love, how, I you love how you Go ahead, Mr. Arthur. How you doing, Governor? Hey, how you doing? This is my hey. friend right here, guys. Hey, look here. Uh, it was a guy. I can't think of his name, but he wrote an article up in the New York Times. But anyway, but everybody... He, uh, he wrote this article about the current political climate. Of course, we've talked about it on this show forever about the lack of urgency, the lack of understanding yeah. what kind of fight we're in. Uh, and so now, now they begin to talk about the reality of what it is, uh, which is we're fighting a fascist uh, 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 group of folks that used to be the Republicans. And so what I want to know is, uh, is, is you advance your campaign, uh, uh, how do you intend to relate that sense of urgency and how people understand that this is not a normal uh, situation, that there are not only right. votes, uh, you know, voting rights at risk. I mean, the whole thing is at risk. So how do you uh, plan to 
get that message over to your uh, uh, constituents. Well, again, uh, to, to uh, continue to tell the story, uh, set the narrative, repeat the uh, story, uh, set the narrative again, and uh, go out and present it to everyone. Uh, communication, communication, communication. Uh, when I was a professional for years in the automotive uh, industry, uh, I would like to call myself the great communicator. In order to get people to move, you have to get them involved, and you have to get them excited about sometimes the same thing, but it's not – I used to say this little phrase all the time. It, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. There are a lot of politicians out there that have been saying a lot of things, but a lot of them don't have a platform, they don't have a base, and they don't have the heart for it. People, one thing you can't do, you can't fool, fool people. I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. I don't care if they're liberal or, or extreme right. Uh, you cannot uh, fool those folks. After a while, even your uh, nemesis, your enemy, your foe, will listen to you if you're making common sense. And, and they all slow down. I want someone to Google uh, Michael Cooper, Bider, Texas, and you're going to find out that I'm not just in East Texas, and this is before I decided to run for governor, that we were breaking bread and, and bringing peace when the headlines was trying to say Black Lives Matter comes to Bider, Texas. The same place in 1992, CNN did a, re- a report said that uh, if a black man was found walking down Main Street of Bider, Texas, he would not make it or survive it. I, I had folks thought that it was a setup. They thought it was going to be death threats on my life, which there were on Facebook. If I showed up, I won't leave. I won't make it. So my point is this, is that we have to make sure we go in and tell our story even in hostile situations. And, and, and we have to be deliberate about that. And so when I took so, the stage, so could stage you, go ahead. So could you, could you give us just a little sample of the narrative, just a little sample of the narrative that we're going to be, that you're going to be uh, projecting? The narrative is that when we're bringing uh, our issues to Austin, Texas, uh, and when we're bringing our table to Austin, Texas, everyone is invited around that table that, that cares to participate. And then we're going to bring all of the issues for Texas, not just some of the issues for Texas. And, and the, the fortunate thing, not the unfortunate thing, is that when African Americans do better, everyone does better because it's not an African American problem. It is a poor people's problem. And education, the lack thereof, is a poor people's problem. Good health care is a poor people's problem. Jobs in and in a, in a livable wage is poor people's problem. So once we fix those areas in rural uh, East Texas, when we have rural, we have Wi-Fi. I can't even talk to y'all when I'm driving to Tyler, Texas, because the Wi-Fi is not good enough. I, the phone line breaks up, and, and I'm in and out the hills. So we need to make sure that that quarter from 1969, uh, from 69 all the way up to Tyler, Texas, all the way up to uh, Terrell, Texas, when they open it all up, we need to make sure we have great Wi-Fi. We need to make sure that we have jobs in those areas. We have to make sure the education is equitable in those areas. We have to make sure health care is there. So all of these things that we're going to bring to the table, then they're going to benefit in Central Texas. They're going to benefit in Katy. They're going to benefit in uh, uh, Missouri City. They're going to benefit in El Paso because when the least of us do better, we all do better. That that was outstanding, Mr. Arthur. Any anything else or any reply to what Pastor Cooper just said? No, no. no I, I was just uh, that, that that's a good uh, that's a good reply. Uh, and, 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 and I think you know, we need to let people know that, especially our white friends, that 
uh, and, and white America, they need to know that uh, the, the only rights they have is the rights that the lowest black person have. They didn't have civil rights before we had it. They didn't have title nothing before we had it, before we did all that. So uh, we just need to have them understand, educate them to understand that, that, that our rights are their rights. Their rights are our rights. Well, you stirred up something else in me, brother. I I, I sit next to a guy that was a Trump supporter and still is a Trump supporter. But he immediately, after he heard about the uh, heartbeat bill, he turned to me and said, that's not right. So he he was saying that's not right in my direction because he said, basically, fix it, do something about that. He said, when you run for governor, this guy, he called me up and said, you need to go to, uh, what's this guy on Fox News somewhere? I don't even know who it is. Uh, And he said, because... They've invited the current governor there to to be interviewed. And he said if he does not listen, they're going to invite uh, the opponents to come and speak. He wants me to be heard. This is a guy that's a Trump supporter. So what I'm saying is true. When we And what we're saying is true. When we do better, the state of Texas does better because he does not approve, and he is a Trump supporter to this day, does not approve of the heartbeat, heartbeat bill. That I think that would be Tucker Carson, and good luck with getting on that. Hey, oh, I know that's, that's exactly who it is. That's exactly who it is. Yeah, exactly. I and would I told love him, I say, listen, you on Tucker Carson. <laughs> that would be amazing. I say, if you get me on Tucker Carson, I show up. But I'm serious. But, we, and, we're going to so have Miss Tracy to work on that. Having to work on because and I'll be with Trump supporters. Hey, 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 sure, hey, sure. We don't want them use it, you know, turn our campaign into what they doing. That, that's, 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 I mean, they part, they, they part of what I'm talking about, the fascist system that's going well, well, on right now. Really attitude. And, but see, here's you know, the deal with that. Let, let me tell you, I'm just sitting here and I'm listening to Pastor Cooper just putting out all this brilliant information. And then we're talking about the narrative. But what I see and what I take away from this is that we change the narrator and the new narrator is Pastor Cooper. So Wow. Amen. It's not Amen. I'm calling you Dr. Amen. Shirley McKellar, the prophetess now, because oh. you're on it. And, and, and in my studies of Miriam, what people don't understand is that Miriam uh, didn't understand things. She had to relearn. It didn't mean that God did. God called her prophetess. God said, listen, if you be a prophetess, because when God says that, he's stating the, the statement. But she had some prejudiceness that's inside her. So that she needed a, a, a cleansing, and so that's what's needed across the state right now. And so I've been sitting on the side of this guy long enough now, and I, I, I would tell you all the whole story. Uh, this guy used to work for me, but now that I'm retired, uh, we sit next to each other. And he gets to listen to all of my conversations. So when Arthur, my campaign strategist, that y'all trust me when I tell you this, he challenges me more than he helps me. And, in my challenging, uh, and by challenging me, he's helping me. Uh, he doesn't give me easy questions. He said, what, what are your thoughts of this? And what are your thoughts of that? Da, da, da. And so when he's drilling me down while I'm sitting there in my dead time, dead space, this Trump supporter is listening to the narrative, and he is changing his mind, and he is on Team Cooper for governor of Texas. Very good. Dr. Hagney, jump in there if you have some uh, questions or comments uh, for Pastor Cooper. I think I think Dr. Hagner should be still there. 
Ms. Rihanna, it's Dr. Maggie. Yeah, yeah, there you are. Can you hear me okay. now? Yes, sir. Uh, healthcare, yes, you know, that's, that's my second love. Uh, when we look at healthcare and we talk about healthcare, we have the, the disparities in healthcare. Uh, and, what, and also, by working in this vaccine, I also tell people rural is different from rural communities of color. When you say rural America, most people can understand that. But when you're talking about rural communities of color, that's a different rural area. And it's related. We're finding out we have to be at the table in healthcare. Uh, we experience, and I, we're experiencing it firsthand, and we are not at the table of healthcare. What is being made? Healthcare how great the system is, but there are people who are falling through the cracks because we're not at the table. And through East Texas, we're going to take, take charge of the healthcare system in East Texas, and we're going to move people to the table of healthcare in East Texas because people who are in charge of healthcare in East Texas. Uh, have not done an excellent, they could have done a better job. But what we're going to do is help them with that job. So that's uh, Cooper at the state level. Uh, we need to have more people like us in high levels of health care in Texas. As you well know, a lot of health care in Texas ran by the big corporation, big private group, big hospital systems, and those systems. But we need to have more African Americans at high levels in the decision-making roles in healthcare because we're experiencing it with this vaccine and viruses when we're not at the table, what happened to us. And we're hearing the story of what happened to other individuals in this healthcare system. Uh, so we have to be at that table. So I want to ask you healthcare decisions in the state of Texas. Because uh, you mentioned earlier black uh, mortality and you look at prostate cancer, the numbers, in these United States and in Texas, they are unacceptable. When you have a African American male, is 1.8 times more likely to develop a cancer, and 2.2 times more to from prostate cancer. So there are issues we have to we have to drill down the stats and look at this more from a demographic viewpoint and see what's happening to that lower percentage of the demographic in this system. So that's my question. My second one is going to address us. The future healthcare, that telehealthcare is going to be a major role in the future health. You mentioned the lack of the broadband up 69 and all that. So we need to, someone made a statement the other day on the National Zoom, the African-American community is going to be left behind when it comes to telehealth because understanding the technology and all the gadgets and everything, we don't have my hands and everything. So my my question to you is how are we going to improve the accessibility of African Americans and the availability of telehealth, but also more of us at the table in healthcare decisions made in the state of Texas so we can start addressing and train, changing the disparities we see, particularly in the rural areas of color. Great points, Dr. Hagan. And so I'm glad you opened your mouth because there's people like yourself that I want to pull out of retirement. One of the greatest things that the governor has, the power that he has in the state of Texas, and that is the power of appointment. The governor appoints over a thousand positions and leaders like education and healthcare and things like that, that those folks have not uh, done good for us or by us. Uh, so we need to reappoint uh, folks in those areas so then we can bring these 
uh, the issues down to each rural county, not just in Austin and Dallas and Fort Worth, but to go into East Texas, Tyler, and all these different areas. Uh, there's up and down Magnolia Springs, Shankerville, uh, 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 all of these folks, the places that people are not even talking about. So we, they're forgotten. They're left behind. They're, they're 20 years behind in, 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 in technology, in healthcare, and everything. I can just sit in driving around. When I drove around with uh, Dr. McKellis, uh, when we were out on a campaign trail, just the different streets and, and the technology that's available, we, we need, it's educating and it's telling the story. And so we need to make sure we have the right people in place. So I'm going to go. I'm making. I was just counting all of the the, the friends I made across the, the years, the, uh, five years or so now that I've been doing this, that are intelligent folks with PhDs, medical degrees, retired, semi-retired, tired. Uh, uh, but I want to go back and give them hope because we're going to go back and uh, appoint these folks into key positions like yourself. And if you don't want to do it, then hopefully you know someone else. That, that desire to do it, uh, and then we're going to put them, and then we're going to hold them accountable. Uh, the other thing that uh, the governor has is that of, of veto. So when all those crazy bills come through, he can veto. I can veto those bills. Uh, call a special session so we make sure those bills don't go through. So we have to use every tool that we have, and then we're going to continue to use the tool to protest. I love. I have learned from uh, Dr. Shirley McKellar's friend John Lewis, Congressman uh, J- John Lewis. He was arrested. I think the same year that he was that he died for protesting on on the floor uh, in D.C. Mm-hmm. Is that not true? Yes, yes. sir. Yes, sir. Okay, wow. So that's, so that's my point. So so even as, as your governor, guess what? Do y'all think? Listen, <laughs> I'm not going away, and I still I feel like they, somebody told me that they 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 carded me. Uh, I, 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 you know, I said, why are you calling me? I was hanging out with my son, had a beer with. Hey, I said, why are you calling? They said, well, we we calling you guys. I said, okay, great. I'm 55. I'm his dad. They, said, they didn't believe it. So my point is just that I feel like I'm 30. I really do. And I have that energy and I have that zeal to fight for God's people. And I'm here to fight. And, and I'm going to find out my limitations. I, I'm, I'm learning them every day. And I'm telling you, I will protest right now. There's a guy that is your lieutenant governor. He is there in the Senate chambers all day, every day, pushing those those bills that's not good for Texas. I'm telling you. And so that's the same thing that your governor should be doing uh, when it comes to good bills for Texas. And that's what I will continue to do. I will make sure. I challenged the Speaker of the House, Dave Thielen, that is from Beaumont, he called me out on it, asked me to step down from my, calling him out, and I, all I asked him to do is to be the Speaker of the House for the entire state of Texas, not just be the Speaker of the House for the Republican Party. We need someone that's going to represent all people, and I told people that are Republican the same thing, that I will represent you, and if it makes good sense, we will make sure we do those things. If it does not make good sense, we will not do it. Outstanding. Well, my goodness, that, that's amazing. Uh, and I'm so delighted that uh, that Dr. Hagney brought up telemedicine because we know right now uh, in the House we got that infrastructure bill uh, that's coming down the pipe uh, there in D.C. on this coming Thursday. And we know that things have not changed in this country since uh, I, I can't remember which president way back in the day 
uh, years ago. Uh, I can take it right here to Tyler, Texas, where we haven't changed our pipes and things uh, probably within the last 100 years uh, since Tyler was even built. And so uh, with that being said, with that being said, that's one of the ways that we're hoping uh, to improve uh, telemedicine. We're hoping to improve uh, our, our country, period. Uh, we got to make sure that we got the right Internet service. And there, there's a, a person right now that reached out to us here in the city wanting to put uh, put uh, the pipes, or, or should I say, not the pipes, but put the uh, the internet service underground so that when we have storms and things in our communities that our internet service is not shut down, our electricity is not shut down. We all know uh, what happens when we get a little rain uh, here in East Texas, and I'm sure that's in other parts of the, the country anyway. So thank you so much. And I say to you, uh, Pastor Cooper, that uh, the reason why uh, that telemedicine is going to be so important, like Dr. Uh, Hagman mentioned, is, number one, uh, COVID is, ha- is going to help push telemedicine so rapidly because uh, let me share with you that since we got into this pandemic, we're going to talk a little bit about the pandemic, and Ms. Rihanna may come back in. She may answer more questions and some things that she, she wants to uh, talk to you about. But because of this pandemic, and we got a lot of pandemics, we got the pandemic of racism. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Too. We're, going <laughs> yeah. about, we're going to talk about Haiti in just a minute, uh, the Haitians at our border uh, here in, in this great state of Texas. But, uh, but we need good Internet service. Because we are, like Dr. Hagney says, we are in the heat of telemedicine. As a veteran, I couldn't even go into into the veterans clinic. It was totally shut down, but they talked to us on on the telephone. They phone in to us on telemedicine and say, do this, do that, how are you doing, so forth and so on. You know how telemedicine works. And it continues to this day, and it's speeding up. So, uh so how are you going to help us with this infrastructure a little bit? And if you can talk about that just a little bit, uh, of what, because you're going to be working very closely as the governor in, in states of, across this nation. You work very closely with the people in Washington, D.C. But you're in charge of this great state of Texas, so you've got to make those final decisions of how it works. We need to have great Internet service. That's the bottom line, right, Pastor Cooper? Absolutely, and exactly what you're saying, Dr. McKellar, is is where I live. Uh, I, I live in an area now that uh, has underground cables everywhere, and so when we have these storms, which due to climate change, when all of a sudden, you know, some people call it the end of times, things like that, looking for Jesus to come back. You know, it depends on what area and what what you're talking about. But at the end of the day, we have to call it something, and it's climate change. And so in a time with climate change and all the beautiful trees in East Texas, uh, why do we still have power lines that's hanging off a tree? Uh, you know, and, and we have uh, the freeze that we just survived or didn't survive. Brother Arthur just got a, uh, uh, had to redo his house because uh, Brother Abbott decided not to uh, make sure that we have certain standards when it comes to uh, ERCOT and things like that. So we have to continue to fight for all of these things at the same time and so when, when you're talking about telemedicine and, and making sure that we can talk to our doctors talk to our therapists talk to our psychologists now 
That's what they're doing now. Matter of fact, when I was finishing up before all of this happened, my master's in psychology, the first thing they, they taught us is how to do a trifold uh, folder online because a lot of people are going online. No longer are they in your face. So you got 15 minutes with, with your psychologist or your therapist, and it's online. And if you don't have a great connection, you can no longer see that therapist or that psychologist because they're not going to spend time and waste time for rent. They can do that out of the luxury of their own homes now. So they don't have to pay that $2,000 a month rent and overhead. So it's actually better for us to make sure that we have access to all of these things and, and using that infrastructure bill. And so that's the reason why we absolutely have to have someone who's going to work with our, our, our president and, and get some of that money for Texas. And we have to uh, make sure we push. And, and that's all it is, it's sales. We are selling what uh, uh, to the federal government what we need. We're telling them what we need. And, and we need to close them on the fact that we need most of the money here in Texas because we have 29 million people, and we need we have a, a vast uh, array of areas of uh, folks that's out throughout East Texas, Central Texas, Rural Texas, and everywhere else. So we need to make sure that we get enough funding to get all of this done. And some of that money should come from this infrastructure bill. Outstanding, outstanding, Miss Rihanna. Yes, um, excellent, excellent. Uh, answer on the infrastructure bill and on that topic um, it sounds to me like you are in the camp that that firmly believes that human infrastructure so-called human infrastructure should be and is a major part of that is that can you talk a little bit about that like the uh, paid family leave and things like that Absolutely, and uh, it, it should be a, an issue or a hassle. Uh, matter of fact, I, I have a lot of men that even challenge me on that because they like to be at home with their uh, uh, children. That you know, you got the women have twelve weeks that, that you can have paid leave. I, I like to see something, and this is just starting the conversation to where the 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 male could have some time to spend to get to know the child. Yeah, I have most. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I had a Muslim friend. This is something I've been thinking about for years before I even got in politics. I had a Muslim friend of mine, and uh, in their heritage, their culture, the, the the male does not even touch the child until they're out of diapers, out of pampers. And so she saw me. This is 20 years ago. She saw me at the fair with my children, and I had one on the hip, one in the stroller, and my wife was carrying another one. She's at home bedridden, but I wanted them to experience the fair, and I was still there. So I would have to go into the family changing room. Back then, I had to find one or bring my daughters <laughs> in the restroom with me. You know, I had these struggles, you know. And, and so and I'm, I'm trying to get to know my children. I never forget the time. I was working 88 hours a week, and I would take Thursdays off, and if I want to take the full day off, uh, Miss Rihanna, I would take a half a day off. And my son looked at me in my eyeballs, and he said, Daddy, are you babysitting me today? My son said, Daddy, are you babysitting me today? Because I didn't wow. have enough time to spend with him. And he was six years of age. Yeah. And so what he knew about me is that I was the one that would leave and disappear for 10 or 12 hours a day. Then I'd show up, and then he'll see me on like a half a Thursday, and, and he thought that I was a babysitter. So these are the kind of conversations we need to have. We have to figure it out. I don't have all the answers, but what I do, I have I have two ears, and I want to listen to these men because I had a young man tell me about the heartbeat bill 
He said, not only do I want my wife to decide what's right for her body, but he said, I would like to have an influence in her decision. Dr. McCullough said something about that two weeks ago, and she hinted it, and I didn't get a chance to come in because we moved on to another subject, but I listened to what she was saying. So in order to lead, we have to listen. Uh, and in order to lead, lead well, we have to go back and have the conversation. These are tough conversations we have to have, and I want Texas to be the shining star. That's no outstanding. Well, you know something, Pastor Cooper, I love uh, the fact that you say, I don't have all the answers, but you got brilliant people no. like your a political scientist, Ms. Tracy. Oh, yeah. I have a great strategist like uh, Mr. Mar- uh, Mr. Arthur and people who yeah. really, really uh, have Yourself walked out their hand in hand. Well, you're, you're kind. But, you know, that have lived it, people who are sitting at, the kitchen table and discussing kitchen table issues that affect their pocketbooks, uh, how they're going to put food on the table, how they're going to uh, enhance uh, sustainability, uh, the farming and the foods and our crops and make sure that we have good local food systems. Uh, I can tell you that I complain every single day that I don't have a supermarket uh, in my community, and I used to have it all my life. Uh, in my community. We grew everything that we needed uh, on our farms. And so uh, we have to make sure that our farmers are taken care of because we want a good food uh, source that's coming across our tables to make sure that our family members are healthy, that we provide the quality uh, of life that all of us so richly uh, deserve. Mr. Arthur, I'll go back to you and see if you have uh, other questions or comments that you'd like to have for our candidate for the evening. Uh, Pastor Cooper, you're doing amazing. We like, I once again, I like how you speak, Pastor Cooper. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah I like the mic. Uh, uh, Cooper, tell us, uh, you know, what do you have planned uh, for the, uh, uh, you know, the, the college kids down there and, and the uh, uh, East Texas area? Because, you know, we got those three colleges down there, and, uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure he plans to have them be part of the campaign. So we'll, we'll, can you just give us a little bit about, uh, you know, what kind of work you're hoping to do with that? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it because uh, a lot of people don't know, maybe, maybe know if you follow on Facebook, uh, several of those pages. I have uh, children that's in the entertainment industry, and uh, – but right now they're, they're two broke girls. They're both living in Los Angeles. Uh, I always tease them about the little show that used to come on, Two Broke Girls. And uh, But they are out there, and they're practicing their craft, and they're doing their craft. One uh, is model for L.A. models. You can Google and see her. The other one is an uh, actor and also a singer. And so we have made great connection with people in the entertainment business and that world. And what I found out is that young people love great entertainment. And so uh, not only do we have some concerts that would be free for them, we're going to have food, we're going to provide entertainment, and it's going to be quality, great entertainment, up-and-coming artists that's already out there. Uh, I don't want to – well, I'm her daddy, which people call me her business manager, but I'm not managing her business because she's one of those folks. I can't wait till she gets into politics because, whew, Man, in California, she was giving those folks a hard time. Why are y'all only talking to men? Why y'all can't talk to them, baby? You need to learn your craft so you can become a businesswoman yourself and you can maybe help some of these young girls that's coming up. I say, that's your fight. I'm going to go over here and, and fight in my arena. 
But uh, they're aggressive and they're strong and, and they're knowledgeable and they're going to assist us in those areas. But we're coming all of up and down East Texas. And what we're going to do is get these young folks out and then we're going to register them to vote. That's the key. Uh, at the end of the day, I do want them to vote for me because I, I, I'm, I'm a warrior for them. But, uh, but at the end of the day, we want them to be registered, educated voters. That's what we want. Outstanding. I, I like that, uh, Pastor Cooper, and I like the fact that those young ladies are reaching back. You're teaching them to reach back and pull somebody, drag somebody, get them up there with them as they succeed and climb that ladder of success that they're bringing others back. And let me just take this opportunity, if you all don't mind, since uh, Mr. Arthur mentioned uh, about the three HBCUs uh, in East Texas. That would be Texas College, uh, Jarvis Christian College, Wiley College, uh, Marshall, Texas. And, of course, Jarvis is in Hawkins, Texas, and, of course, Texas College is in Tyler, Texas. But my sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, my uh, national president, uh, Dr. Uh, Glenda Glover, uh, Glover, I'm sorry, who, as we know, is the president of Tennessee State, and uh, she has an initiative uh, to raise a million dollars in one day. We've done it three times, uh, as a matter of fact, in our um, in our sorority. But this past week. Just this past week, we had our million-dollar day on HBCU Day, except let me announce that we raised two million and a half, not one million, two million and a half in 24 hours we raised. And so kudos and accolades to our national president as well as my, my, I proudly say my sorority, who uh, Dr. Kamala Harris, uh, vice president of this country, uh, is, as a matter of fact, a big, yeah, no, ski week, if you will. <laughs> 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 yes, but, uh, but yes, but I just wanted to make mention of that since Mr. Arthur uh, mentioned who happens to be my fraternity brother, a member of uh, A5A. Yes, thank you, uh, my, my fraternity brother, Mr. Arthur Fleming. But I wanted to mention that because one of our focuses, obviously, is on uh, HBCUs and making sure that our historical black colleges and universities are always supported because we know at one point in time, Black folk could not, in my mother's day, in my father's day, in my grandfather's day, my grandfather was one of the first graduates of Butler College uh, here in Tyler, Texas. That's no longer in existence, but the community is. And so we know because of the fact that we have HBCUs, uh, our, our African Americans, our black people, our ancestors were able to educate uh, themselves since they were not allowed to attend any of the schools, any of the other schools uh, that were uh, predominantly uh, uh, Caucasian run and owned. So I wanted to bring that out to mention uh, that. Um, let's see. Let's move on, uh, Pastor Cooper, over to, uh, and we'll bring um, uh, Dr. Hadney back in if he has something in regards to this. But we know, uh, Pastor Cooper, at our great border, at the great state of Texas, 
We know that uh, the Haitian uh, immigrants uh, came uh, to our border. Um, many of these uh, Haitian immigrants uh, have uh, have been in other parts of the world. They left Haiti uh, back during the earthquake and, and a lot of things that, uh, that went on uh, there in Haiti that uh, caused them to move away from, from their country. And let, let me just say that I, I think for the most part people want to remain in their own countries. I know I do, but I can tell you this, if, uh, if we had a regime where uh, it was author- authoritative regime, regime where people were treating us uh, inhumane, uh, I'd have to try to pack up and go and find and knock on some doors that were giving us an asylum so that we could uh, be safe. And we know that a lot of uh, issues were going on in that country, and they left and went to South America and other areas, even down into Mexico. And they'd been there, some of them been there for eight to ten years uh, out of their country. So then they show up. Uh, in Del Rio, Texas, and and I can tell you that I was stationed uh, in Del Rio, Texas. It's a, a community of about 35,000 uh, people. Uh, after 9/11 hit, uh, I was down there at that border working, uh, and so uh, trying to make sure that no one crossed over in that side of the country to try to bring harm because we didn't know exactly where all the harm was coming from uh, after 9/11 hit. So uh, with that being said, uh, Pastor Cooper, uh, I know that when you saw the pictures of what was actually happening and as uh, uh, Madam uh, Maxine Waters says, when the cowboys uh, were on their horses and they had their whips, uh, I'm sure that all of us reflected back to our education about slavery and those pictures uh, reminded me of uh, back way back uh, in the days, way before we were born, but not only before we were born, uh, Pastor Cooper, but but I remember uh, when when the uh, cowboys were on their horses down in Huntsville, Texas, uh, when I was studying uh, criminal justice and law, and they were on their horses, and in the heat of the day, uh, they had their whips, and uh, most of the prisoners, and I'm talking about the prisoners down in Huntsville, Texas, you know, you're familiar, and, and yes. they were on their horses, and those men were out there working uh, in the heat of the day in the field, and those guys were sitting there with their whips uh, on their horses, and uh, it was really hot, past 100-plus uh, degrees. So with that being said, what were your feelings when you actually saw what was taking place there at uh, at the border? And then we'll talk about uh, how uh, some of uh, our people are comparing um, uh, what would happen with the uh, Hispanics or Mexicans who came up to our border. And then, of course, they also talked about uh, the Afghanis that worked with us during wartime for the last 20 years and how they were uh, brought into the country. Uh, So you can start with wherever you want to start uh, with that conversation, and I'll mute out. Thank you. Uh, Great, great question again. Um, I was distraught, like everyone else, uh, in disbelief. Uh, I I went from one web page to another web page, another source, another source. I thought it was made up, uh, untrue 
uh, information. Uh, I could not believe it. So I had to stop working, go in the back room, uh, dissect, look at, digest, and get some kind of clarity. How, how do we find ourselves here in, in the 21st century? Uh, and then immediately I, I, I heard certain groups of folks talk about how these are not whips and they weren't doing what everyone else is saying. And then the pictures were being passed around and I walk into a room and, and, and people would stop talking because they know that I represent a certain kind of thing. And I'm going, like, here we go again. What is going on? And, and, and so it was the next day that I walked into a discussion, and so they came after me, and I said, hold on. I said, normally I don't participate in this type of discussion, but I have to tell you that any type of device that's utilized as a whip is not a good thing. Well, it wasn't a whip. It was the, 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 the horse guide, the lead, the this, the that. I say, I don't care what you utilize as a whip to chastise someone in that manner that it's a human being is, is not warranted in this day and time, nor was it back then when they did it with slaves. So here we are having this type of discussion to why I had to will. The picture I looked at, and, and he was holding on to the horses, and you know, you, you, you're a country boy, and you know how you have to hold on to the horse. I said, well, let me see the picture you saw. So here I am debating and deliberating with someone over an issue of a picture. And so I, I said, okay, that's great. Let me show you a picture I saw. And it's on another page and another page and another page. And so I had to quieten down the room and, and, and show them what I was talking about. And they said, oh, wow, I didn't see that. I said, okay, I understand. I said, so this is what I'm talking about when Brother Arthur asked me about uh, what we're going to do. We have to tell the story. We have to tell the narrative. We have to have the conversation. It's just like when uh, Dr. Hagney asked people to get vaccinated. You can put out a big ad, a big poster, and you're still going to have the Nicki Minaj's of the world. I, I think it was Nicki Minaj. They still have their own opinion about vaccines and vaccinations and things like that, even when health care is available to you. So it's a reach out, touch one, and tell someone and change the story one person at a time so they can go back and tell their family members and someone else. So then when I saw that there was miscommunication with the story being told, because someone else is always telling our story, and they, they flipped the script. So then they called what we're teaching, CRT, critical race theory. What we're doing is trying to tell the, the, the correct narrative, tell the right story. The problem is, is that they get in front, and they tell the story, and then we have to go back and untell the story, retell the story. So I found myself that next night in Houston, Texas, uh, and I don't know if y'all get to even see some of the shots because I'm almost embarrassing show shots of these folks that's trying to find a cot to sleep on because they're so exhausted. Four women were pregnant. Four women were pregnant. It looked like they were nine and a half weeks pregnant, okay? Uh, and all they wanted was a meal and a cot and some water, but yet they had to go through the process of being tested for COVID go through the process of being checked in, going through the process to find out who has family here or not, who's going to have a court date maybe three or four years from now. And then some of them were flown out of the country from out of Houston, Texas, because they were denied. I mean, it's just so much going on so swiftly. I thank Dr. Uh, Candace Matthews for calling me, giving them the right instructions, the places to go. There's so much to do in leadership. There's not enough time. So we have to get uh, have a, a sense of urgency. 
So what it did for me, it gave me energy. It gave me purpose because so many times I've heard Dr. Hagney and people like yourself and Arthur and Miss Rihanna and they and they talk about these different things. And I think we get frustrated, we get aggravated, we get tired, and we're tired of being sick and tired. But it's events like this that give me the energy to get up and do it because we have to do this for the least of them. These folks came here looking for a way out. And let me give you an example, and I know you really cut back in, but let me just give you an example that how we know that these folks are sincere in, in their track and their journey to get here. 15,000 of them stayed behind in Mexico and, and, and signed a work permit because yes. they want to earn a livable wage for themselves and their families. Okay. That's beautiful. I take a, a deep breath. <laughs> well, yeah. I know. They're, they've been amazing. And, and I'm glad you brought that out because these were these these Haitians were not people that were just lazy, that were over there not working. These were people who have been working, but they came and knocked on our doors uh, to yeah. to ask for asylum uh, because they have been living in countries that did not treat them like a human being. As a matter of fact, they were treated inhumane. So anytime you see people that are going to escape their home and go and find someplace else to live, obviously they have been treated unfairly and not equal uh, to like they should be treated or like they should be treated as God's uh, given right. That right was given by someone else, not by uh, Americans, not by those who are in charge, but it's given by God for all of us to be treated like human beings. Uh, and, and let me but just look deal how with little, our bo- go, in, in our borders, uh, even yeah. without the leads or without the whips, the, uh, supposedly whips, they would put a 1,600-pound horse up against a 150-pound man. Yes. They would literally push these people back with the horses. So, the, yeah. I mean, this is inhumane, and, and, and these are the things that we have to fight for. This is in our backyard, our border. We have to say something, show up, and do something, and do the right thing, and stand up. Even though, watch this, we, we have our first female African-American sheriff, and she called the the, uh, right. uh, the the Texas Rangers in to look at a case that we have here. That's all I'm asking, because she is not the hands every day that's taking in jellers and taking care of So there's going to be some... Uh, bad apples, that even though she's the, the head, you know, you're going to have some people on your watch do the wrong thing. So all I'm asking for sure. is that you do the right thing. Show up, Mr. Governor. Show up and do the right thing. So that's the reason why I get frustrated when I hear people saying, I'm thinking about serving people. I get frustrated when I hear people saying, I might go and do this. Well, there's no guarantees of winning or losing. What we have to do is fight the fight and hopefully win each battle or a battle every now and then to make a difference for change for people like this. These folks were, were mannerable. They were well-behaved. They were quiet. I mean, when I say there were four, at least 4,000 people when we showed up there in Houston, Texas, the, the disaster center, and what I love about I don't have the guy's name. I'm going to have to call, do a shout-out to him. It's, it's a pastor there. He's the head of the disaster center there in Texas, and he fought to get them there 
in Houston because he said it's inhumane to leave them out there underneath the bridge. He said, I have room. I have the resources. We're going to bust them here, and we're going to feed them, and we're going to let them sleep inside in the dry place. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, well, let, let me just mention a little bit about the Afghans and wartime. Uh, Dr. Hadney, Mr. Arthur, both uh, military served served this country uh, as well as myself, and so and I am at uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, uh, war veteran, and so um, so I experienced uh, war after 9/11, and um, and I know that we were dependent upon before I even go there. Let me also bring out uh, Pastor Cooper, and we all know this because we studied government, we studied history, that we, in America, America has uh, embassies and installations all over the world. And we live in a global society. Uh, even though we have borders uh, for our countries, but but we, this is a global society. And so I, I say all the time that we want to prepare our students and educate them so that they will be able to compete uh, with anybody across the world. So keep that in mind that we live in a global world. So, so let's go back to uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom. Let's go to the Afghanistan. That's, that's Enduring Freedom. So we know that this war has gone on for the last 20 years. And uh, we were just pulled out uh, those that were serving in Afghanistan uh, and trying to trying our very best to end this war. And so uh, that's been the work of the continuation of the work within this uh, particular administration. Mm-hmm. So the point that I, I want to bring out is that those Afghanistan people were uh, were communicators for us. They spoke the language. They knew their country. They knew where the bad people were. Uh, they helped to guard our installations. Uh, they, they did everything uh, to help uh, us to maneuver uh, through this war and try to take out people that were trying to, to kill us in America. What we do is we work hard to make sure that war is not on this soil, uh, in America that is carried to other soils, other places. Uh, that's the goal of, of America when it comes to war and when it comes to people trying to bring harm up on this country. So so there are a lot of angry uh, uh, black people that, that says, uh, I'm angry because, uh, because we didn't, we brought the Afghans uh, here, uh, but we didn't want to bring uh, the Haitians uh, over into this country. Can you kind of dialogue a little bit on what your, um, how you see, uh, how you see that whole thing being played out? If in fact we should have uh, brought the Haitians, excuse me, we should have brought uh, the Afghans uh, here and spent money on, uh, on taking care of them, uh, in respect that we promised, uh, we promised the uh, the uh, Afghans if they worked for us during this war time that they would not be able to go back to their communities, uh, that we would bring them here to this country uh, and, uh, and and set them up and, and make them comfortable as they did for us when we were in war uh, in uh, Afghanistan. Can you speak on that a little bit? 
I think Dr. Hagnick has a question also. I'm going to pause for a second to see what he's saying. Dr. Hagnick. Oh, that, that was part of this. That was part of this. You clarified that one. That was hilarious and everything. This is dangerous. Or as, as you, the point you made about a, a horse uh, guiding people, that, that just is dangerous on foot with a horse near your side. That's about what's coming. On you on that same yeah I, I think you're saying that uh when when someone's near a horse as they're walking is just as dangerous is that what he's saying oh yes right. oh, they were hurt right. they, were, they were actually they were actually hurting them I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with right. hurting cattle <laughs> you know horses bump cattle you do a lap so that, uh, in other words the point yeah. is that the horse is more dangerous than the whipping the person's hand because Step on the person's foot or whatever like that. Person yeah. has been really more injured by being knocked down or trampled by the horse. So that was Absolutely. looking at the whip. So that's I'm glad you brought that point out to to illustrate that. Right, and especially right. with them being in that water, they were in. Some of them were in the water, and yes. and trying to bring. Right. They went back to get food to bring back to feed their families. But go ahead, Doctor Cook. I pass Cook. Yeah. Well, not Dr. Yet. I, I paused that for a little while. I'm a year into it. <laughs> the pastor that, that, that called the Afghan, uh, the, the Haitians uh, to Houston, Texas, uh, and I'm going to spell his first name, Pastor S-A-D-R-A-Q-U-E, Syed right. is his name. Right. And he's a Haitian himself, now in America. And he's doing great work there in Houston. So I just want to uh, give a shout-out to him. And he has a book entitled uh, Beyond the Rubble, mm. Haiti, Beyond the Rubble, available on Amazon.com. You know, and, and again, I, I'm a student of this, so I went back and looked at some history and, and dialogue and looked at that, where Haiti helped America get its independence with money and, and things like that. A lot of people don't even realize. Uh, they were a rich nation. Uh, so we, we have to continue right. to uh have the conversation, and yes, a lot of people see the more melon we have in the skin seem like the the worse that you're treated. And I think that's the conversation that's being had out there, but no one said it that way. So, so what what I've learned is, is my, my, as my dad said, uh, say some things would be effective in, in your speech. And, and in my speeches, this is that sometimes people are just harsh, and they say, well, they treat. Uh, the, the folks from Afghanistan better than us because they're closer to being white or they're, they're lighter than us or, or they treat the Haitians differently. And I believe that it has a lot of truth to it, but at the same time, uh, we have to go out and hold people accountable. Uh, we, we can't turn our backs on the folks that helped us in that war. I, what was it, a 20-year war in Afghanistan? Not, Correct. Not 20 years? Okay, 20-year war. Uh, so, and we have the intelligence. We've had the assistance. But also, President Biden was trying to send a message. He said he wanted to end this war. Matter of fact, even uh, the, the, the prior president, he, he talked about and, and talked right. about the did nothing to write. So there's really no way to end a 20-year war. It, it, it's kind of like being upset with someone that, that's in your own family for, for 15, 20 years. You miss weddings, you miss uh, uh, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> you miss uh, uh, all kind of things, birthday parties and everything else. So it's hard to go back and, and, and apologize. And, and, and to, 
So you just have to start somewhere. And like I said before, uh, we, we have to do the best we can with what we have. And so if that's assisting those folks to get out of there, I think we have to do that. But it doesn't mean that we do less for those that are Haitians that's out there. I think we need to find some work for them to do. We're talking about this infrastructure bill. We're going to need workers. A lot of people are so educated now, they don't want to work with their hands anymore. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those folks that uh, I really don't mind working with my hands, but my hands are so full doing the other things that I'm doing, I no longer have time to go back and work with my hands. So we need workers that don't mind working with their hands because when it, you're talking about infrastructure bill, you're talking about building roadways and bridges. Uh, they said almost every bridge in the United States needs to be replaced or repaired. That's right. And I'm not talking about major bridges. I'm talking about overpasses. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you're one. You're 100 on that, uh, and that's why I say it's been eons of time ago uh, since we rebuilt and put funding into infrastructure. So you're absolutely 100% correct. Listen, it's 9:48 at tonight, and so we uh, we're going to bring Miss Tracy back in for a hot second, and if she has any final comments that she'd like to make in regards to the campaign, and then we're going to go back to you, Pastor Super. And we're going to end, and we're going to hear your stump speech at the end of this. You have been amazing. We have thoroughly enjoyed it. The time went by so fast. It really uh, you did. Fitting out that information, and it's outstanding. So, Miss Tracy, uh, I'm going to bring you back if you have any comments or anything that you'd like to say and, and final things that you want us to hear and know, and then at maybe the website or anything that you want to put out uh, for those that are listening uh, tonight. And then we're going to let Pastor Cooper have his final comments uh, for the evening. And maybe we may even have a, a few minutes to have uh, to see if, uh, if our uh, co-hosts want to wrap up as well. Miss Tracy? Absolutely. We're just looking forward to everyone that is out in this digital and virtual world. If you're in the Tyler, Texas area on Saturday, come out and join us. Join us. We're definitely looking for people to come in in support of the Cooper campaign staff. We'll be there from 9 to 12. You can find our information. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, Cooper for Texas Governor website, cooperfortexasgovernor.com. You can also email me at tracybpr at gmail.com. And, again, we're looking forward to you coming out and meeting and greeting the next governor of the state of Texas, Michael Cooper. Outstanding. That's, that's very good. So we'll put. Uh, Dr. Hagney, your final comments for the evening. It, it has been an honor. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with your campaign manager. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, you know, and I trust you'll get to know Texas because the future of Texas is East Texas. So, again, I'm, I'm very honored. Uh, it's time. Your honesty, your straightforwardness, and all your preparedness for the position. So I'm looking forward to working with you and um, excited about times like these. Very good. Outstanding. Mr. Arthur? I just want to say uh, 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 on East Texas. On to East Texas. On to East Texas. (laughs) That's beautiful. Ms. Rihanna, your final comments is say hi to Collins for me. I can hear him in the background. Uh Oh, yeah, he's still here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pastor Cooper, I just want you to know, and I'm sure, I hope you already do know, I'm just a huge, huge 
fan. I'm really proud uh, that you come on here and join us every single week. I feel really grateful for that. I, I think Texas is going to be so lucky to have you. And I feel this way because when I hear you uh, talking about the things that you care about, I feel like you're talking to me, you're speaking for me, for my family, and that your priorities are the same priorities that I have and that most people have, most Americans have. Um, There's just a goodness and a care for humanity first, and I think that that really comes through. And I know that anybody who hears you uh, will know that within seconds as well. So I'm just incredibly proud, and I'm looking forward to Texas having a good, excellent new governor. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know, Pastor Cooper, I want to, I want to start by, uh, well, end by, I should say, uh, thanking you for the great work that you do with the Poor People's Campaign and Dr. William Barber. We were actually on with our, um, our Zoom uh, this evening talking about uh, the things at the, uh, at the border of Texas. You know, it was rather embarrassing uh, for me as a born Texan, uh, born East Texan, uh, to see uh, how uh, inhumane that the people at the border, the Haitians, were treated by people that supposed to uh, value life, uh, by people who are supposed to, um, to make sure that, that we are safe uh, in, uh, on our borders and, and all across uh, the state of Texas. It was, uh, it was pretty embarrassing. Uh, for me, I know that that you have to uh, spend time working for um, and working with uh, the Republican Party, the other side. And we know right now that at the bulk of the elected uh, officials uh, at the legislative level there in Austin, Texas, happens to be uh, Republicans. Even right now, the uh, person who sits in the seat that you're about to take uh, is a Republican. Um, Governor uh, Abbott, and uh, he's legislated a few laws and pushed a few things that have just been uncomfortable uh, for um, for people of color. And um, so, uh, so you may end by if you could dialogue a little bit on how you'll be able to work across aisles, so to speak. And and I hate that terminology, Ms. Rihanna. Can tell you that I, I said when I was running for Congress that there should not be any aisles. Uh, that if I had been in Washington, D.C., that I, I would want us to mix and mingle. And I sit next to a Republican, and Republicans sit next to Democrats, and there should not be an aisle where we can cross over and have to talk to anybody because because this, this is not this is not a divided country, or should not be a divided country. It should be the United States of America. That's the country that Dr. Hagney served. That's the country that Mr. Arthur served. And certainly that's the country that I served as well. So if you could talk a little bit, tiny bit, about... Uh, how you would work toward uh, working with those Republicans who probably would remain uh, in that office down there, uh, the uh, representatives would remain as the uh, main people, and even the Speaker of the House may happen to be a Republican, but we all have to work together as a team because uh, we're all one, uh, one country, one state, one union. So if you could dialogue a little bit on how you would do that, and then thank you so much for 
uh, being a support of uh, women and women's rights and making sure that women are treated equitably and, and fairly, and we have the same opportunities that anyone else would have. So give us your final. It's 9.55, and you have about uh, four minutes to do that, and then okay. we're going to end there. We'll turn it over to Ms. Rihanna, and we'll, we'll end our evening and, and uh, share our theme song uh, so that people will see what we are really feeling here. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Cooper. It's been a pleasure uh, to have you on as the candidate uh, tonight. And now I turn it over to you, Pastor Cooper. Awesome. Thank you again, sis. But let me just say two things just to uh, clear up the atmosphere. Uh, You said Jarvis Christian College is in East Texas. Is that correct? That is correct. Jarvis Christian College is in Hawkins, Texas, which is 23 miles uh, east of, uh, excuse me, north of uh, Tyler. And then, of course, Wiley College, as you know, is in Marshall, Texas, and that's about 50 miles, 55 miles uh, uh, east of Tyler, Texas. Yes, sir. Well, the reason why I brought that up is because uh, before my uh, my father was diagnosed with cancer, he died when I was 19 years of age. So I chose to stay home. But you're talking to a young man that was supposed to go to Jarvis Christian College. I had I was on scholarship. Oh wow! A lot of people don't know that little okay. fact. Yeah, they don't know that. Fact. <laughs> I never even got a chance to visit the campus after I found he was sick. And I, now, where's Angelina State College? Where, where's that? Now, Angelina is that's in what is it Lufkin or uh, that's, that's Lufkin. 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 Yes. Lufkin. Yes. Lufkin. Lufkin. Union College. Correct. Yes. Correct. So, so they were competing for your young man out of Beaumont, Texas. Those two colleges. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, they were competing. Well, see, that's, yes. see, that's East Texas. We know that. That's, that's, that's East, East Texas. Texas. I, I can't I can't escape you guys. That's why I brought that up. I can't escape you all. The, the, the other thing is, is that uh, I'm not supposed to. I, I see I see the writing on the wall now. Uh, the, the other thing is, is that I, I live in Jefferson County. I want somebody to go and pull that up on the map, the political map. Uh, it's a stronghold here, and, and I, I have been very successful. Matter of fact, there are people that they don't know if I'm Democrat, Republican, Independent. They don't have a clue. They see the hat, they see the boots. The only thing they know is that I'm a Texan, and that's what I want them to know, and that's what they're getting to know right now. Although we have to represent uh, the, the poor people and the minorities and the women and all those things, but we also have to represent Texans, and, and that's what I have done as being successful in my career. Uh, I've, I've promoted those that, that were without, uh, without degrees even. I have a young man been with me for 18 years. And he's one of my predecessors, and it took three to replace him. Thank God for that. I had to show him. And, you know, we have, we have to work three times as hard, but it took a team to replace all the work I did. When you say general manager, I generally did everybody's job and knew everyone's job. And that's what we have to do, and that's what I have to teach young kids. Again, that's the example I want to give them. And Collin County, when I first gave the first speech I gave and I ran as lieutenant governor, uh, I talked about pulling myself up by my own bootstraps because I had a, di- a, a father that was dying and then died two years later. And I was left behind to figure out the things uh, to, to learn in the future, but only things I've learned as 16-year-olds and, and younger. So what we don't have is a lot of time. And I don't want to preach, but I'm also a preacher. James says life is like a vapor. It only lasts a little while. So we have to make sure that we have to learn how to get along with even the enemy, the foe, or the one that opposes us to do the right thing. And that comes with telling the narrative as my friend that challenges me every day, Arthur uh, Fleming. 
uh, you say, tell the story, tell the story. It reminds me of when, uh, and I go back and I listen to Dr. Martin Luther King, and I forget who said it. I think it was Ma Angelou or someone. They said, tell the story the night before he died. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the night that he gave the speech uh, when he thought that someone was going to kill him. And, and he said, tell the story. And then that's when he told him, the, uh, he said, tell him the story about the dream, Martin. Tell him the story about the dream. And so I hear uh, Brother Arthur telling me all the time, tell him the story. And so that's what God has given me, the, the gift of telling the story and how to talk with someone and speak with someone that didn't grow up in the same side of the tracks I grew up with, didn't go to the same high schools I went to, didn't go to attend the same colleges. Uh, but yet we have the same common thread and the same enemy, and that is poorness and that's lack of education. And I found out that even in the rural areas where most Republicans live, that they have the same problems we have. And when they sit and listen and we listen to one another, we break bread with one another, we all are better for it. And that's how we win together, and together we are stronger. So it looks like we have about a minute left. I'm going to turn it over to Ms. Rihanna. Thank you all. It's been a great evening. Well, I want to say thank you, Pastor Cooper, and let me just tell you that it's great to have a candidate who has great moral values, and that would be uh, Pastor Cooper. And so I think that is a great beginning right there uh, is that, and then you're, you're spiritually sound. And so we thank you so much for being on uh, with us tonight because it's going to take a person like you to take us through all of these crises uh, that we experience right now uh, in this country. Thank you so very much, uh, and we look forward to you coming right back here again on next Monday night on Marvelous Monday. Thank you. May God bless you. And now, Ms. Rihanna, it's all yours. Good night. Just a friendly friendly reminder to everybody out there, put these two things, no, three things on your to-do list. Please get your vaccine. If you have not, if you have and you're eligible for a booster, get your booster. Uh, secondly, make sure you're registered to vote. Check the status of your voter registration. Uh, make sure you're not purged from the voter roll. And three, love somebody and love yourself. Be loving in general. And we love you, and we will see you back here next week. Good night. Good night. One day when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, glory, glory, oh, glory, glory. Hands to the heavens, no man, no weapon. Formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, the spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. When it goes down, 
now we woman and man up They say stay down and we stand up Shots we on the ground, the camera panned up King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up One day when the glory comes It will be out, it will be out Oh, one day when the war is won We will be Every man, woman, and child Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero Facing the league of justice, his power was the people Enemy is lethal, a king became regal Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego The biggest weapon it's to stay peaceful, we sing Our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win the war individually It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day when the glory comes It will be Tonight, 